listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And because we're Canadians, we have to talk about the weather. No, we're not going to do that. Why would we do that? <laughs> Everybody expects we, it. We need to. We, I know, it's true. But we just had a massive snowstorm. It's true. Like, and, and nothing like Canadians to like more than to talk about something that they just, uh, a bit of weather that they just had over the weekend. Yep. Yep. All right. So, listeners, you need to know I guess we had snow. Um, yep. And that's Lots about the end of it. And But what you really need to know is, the topic of today's show, which is, I guess, what I what I like about these types of shows is they're like, it's part of like ongoing world domination of marketers. Really, like this is what we, you know, as marketers, we, um, uh, part of I think what we need to do is um, uh, spread the understanding of what we do uh, beyond the four walls of the marketing department. And uh, uh, today's uh, guest has been doing just that. Looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah, I am as well. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's not snowing here. Definitely a little <laughs> bit of the opposite, but I uh, kind of wish it was. Get a little sledding in. But uh, but no, glad to join you. Uh, your radio voices <laughs> make me a little uh, a little self-conscious about my own voice. But uh, but no, I'm glad to uh, give a voice to to marketers, but also to, uh, to, I think, anybody in manufacturing that just needs to come at it maybe from a different perspective and hopefully share some of that. Well, Jeff, why don't you introduce our guest? I'm going to chain smoke a few packs of cigarettes and I can see if I can get this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's always important to have have the better mic when you're the host. I think so. Uh, so, joining us today is uh, Robbie Berthum. Robbie is the head of marketing for Digitized Designs, and we're glad to have you on the Cooler Ring today, Robbie. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Excited. Let's crack the brain open and hope that uh, doesn't scare anybody. <laughs> Well, sir, you've been you've been in the role for what, right around a year now, yes? A little over a year, yep. Just had one year anniversary and uh, got started young at 14, more as an entrepreneur, but um, have had kind of stints as employee, employer, and uh, kind of pros and cons of both. But yeah, happy I landed at Digitize and excited about what we're doing. And what are you doing? What uh, Tell us a bit about Digitize Designs. Yeah, so Bo is the uh, the founder, CEO. Uh, he doesn't like the term CEO, likes head of product. Sounds weird to him, I guess. But um, but he founded the company back in 2016. So a pretty small, nimble team, but we focus on 3D scanning and metrology. Uh, and so we sell a range of 3D scanners for professionals. Uh, so that might be in manufacturing, aviation, automotive, uh, healthcare, lots of different industries and applications for the technology. But uh, but work with ScanTech, work with Faro Technologies, Artech 3D. We sell a slew of 3D scanning you know, software, metrology-related software. Polyworks is a pretty popular application. Um, and then accessories, so scanning spray, targets, reference points, that kind of thing, which we do through e-commerce. And then we have a service side as well, which uh, also is a way of kind of uh, try before you buy a little bit before, uh, you know, some companies make the investment into building out their own 3D scanning workflow. So that's that's what we do. Um, we made Inc. 5000 last year. So we're, we're high growth the last few years. Uh, we're number 1377 as far as, you know, on the list, which the list itself, you know, it's just more PR, but we're proud of, you know, the growth. And I think really spending the last year and going into this year, just kind of resetting and and you know rebuilding uh everything from our website revitalizing our brand just uh cleaning house and, and, and assessing what's working what isn't 
Well, I think a lot of people are familiar with 3D printing, certainly more now, you know, those the companies in that space have done a pretty good job of normalizing and, and making that a, a thing that just about everybody's aware of. But 3D scanning is still a bit different, you know, and something that a lot of people need to learn about. So tell us a bit more kind of about your path into into this company and uh, and what your background has brought to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so so again, I, I started my first agency when I was 14. So predominantly digital agency, moved it out to L.A., had an office out in Serbia, um, so built pretty large websites towards the end of it. That's kind of the direction that we went. And then um, and then worked at a few agencies and leadership roles and then had a, a matchmaking company, a coaching company for agencies. So work with a lot of different brands and environments. But me personally, I had never heard of 3D printing or never heard of 3D scanning. I had heard of 3D printing, you know, South by Southwest, some of the bigger shows kind of us agency folks, marketers attends, you know, 3D printing is going to be there along with VR and everything else that's uh, sort of breaking through. 3D scanning, never really thought about it. I knew about, you know, CAD modeling and some of the the old school stuff, but um, I don't think I really realized that, uh, you know, you could get a, a master's in metrology, a, you know, literally a master's in, in measurement that it got that deep. Um, but so, yeah, I, I joined, I, I connected with Bo. Uh, it's, it's been a really good fit. I'm a single father, full custody of three kids. So have my hands full, but it's a role that gives me a lot of flexibility, autonomy. Uh, I think Bo trusts where my head's at, my vision's at for the company and is glad to, uh, you know, kind of uh, – let me take the stage in a way. Um, and so he can focus on what he does best. Uh, I like the attention, so it works for me. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, yeah, so settling into my role, you know, it's really been about just assessing where we're at kind of present state and where what we need to do to get to the next state. And that was a lot of last year, culminating with the launch of our new site and a lot of different initiatives. And this year, I think we're really getting into just measurability is our, our big theme. Um, you know, we've got the tools, we've got the We've got everything we want to do. We know that we can do. It's a matter of Legos, you know, really putting all the pieces together. But I think that's our biggest hole right now is, is measurement. And um, in order to do, you know, marketing effectively, you've got to be able to to measure. It's no longer just art. It's a lot of science. So I think, you know, it's shifting that. It would seem to me in the company that you're in, convincing them about the importance of measurement shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, no, true. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, it is, but it's like with anything. I mean, I think, you know, you, you think about time tracking, for example, a lot of employees don't like to track time. It's just annoying. There's real work to do, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I think it's just shifting the paradigm to see it as, you know, not just another chore or not a way for, you know, everybody to keep tabs or be micromanaged or that, that kind of thing. But Really, it streamlines everybody's job. It makes us more profitable, which benefits everybody. And, uh, and it shows us what's working and what isn't. And I think sometimes there might be a fear, you know, subconscious or conscious of knowing what might not be working and having to kind of take responsibility of that and make a change. So I want to know. I want to know what's working, what isn't. Um, and, and that takes that takes some implementation work, some time up front. And, uh, and I think that's been the biggest thing is just how do you get buy-in with the full team on some of these initiatives, you know, without them coming at it from that same perspective. Yeah. And that's what I kind of wanted to drill into in today's show is just kind of understand, you know, what it is that you're doing to kind of, kind of you know, make that organization more of a marketing organization. And, you know, this notion of, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like part of the uh, 
fear of measurement is that you, you know, fear of learning that something isn't working. And man, like it strikes me that a lot of manufacturing organizations that are engineer-led, you know, that fear of uh, not getting it right is seems awfully, um, you know, deep-seated, isn't it? So, uh, h- how are you encounter? You know, how, how are you dealing with that, navigating that? Yeah, that's true. I think that's one of the one of the first things I noticed uh, in my role is kind of a hesitancy sometimes to, you know, whether it's responding maybe to, um, for some people to big name clients and, and how to, you know, handle that response or handle a, a customer support inquiry, whatever it might be. Um, it it kind of comes in a lot of shapes, but I've kind of seen this hesitancy there um, and a desire, I think, for, for perfection uh, because, you know, they're all about precision and accuracy and, and measurement. And so you get to kind of a perfectionist way of thinking and way of wanting to do things. And, you know, it's the old saying, what is it? Perfection is the enemy of progress or perfect is the enemy of progress. And so I'm kind of trying to toe that line, uh, I think internally in terms of just getting people on board, you know, letting them know kind of what we're doing. So it's not all happening in a vacuum. On the other hand, you know, I try to push the envelope. I don't always ask for permission uh, once or twice. Maybe it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's nipped me in the bud by doing that, but you know, I have to kind of be the one to push the envelope, but I kind of try to bring it back to, you know, marketing first and foremost uh, is really the product itself. You know, it starts there. And so, you know, whether it's our engineering team, whether it's our support team, sales team, I mean, we all have a role in, you know, every touch point that really plays out from a marketing perspective, whether that's interactions, whether that's a view to our website, you know, a visit to our socials, uh, or whether it's, you know, simply, uh, you know, when you we're working on our, our RM300, our, our new OEM solution. So, you know, as we build out our own products, as we start thinking in a different way, uh, how are we doing that? And, you know, before I came here, you know, I think it was it was very it was from a technical perspective. So, for example, the RM three hundred, the way that it's named is based on three hundred being microns and accuracy, and it has like meaning to it. I'm coming at it thinking RM three hundred. Yeah, where did this come from? You know, like let's let's really th- and let's think of okay the full product line. Let's think beyond this particular uh, build and and you know really do that now while it's uh, while it's strategic. So I think that's. That's really a big part of it. And then getting people excited. You know, I'm the biggest like cheerleader as far as if we're going to share social content, put stuff out there. And some of it's, you know, employees as well. You know, if we have a, our after Christmas party, you know, pictures from that event, get them involved, tag them, get them excited about what's happening. Let them feel we had an Inc. 5000 celebration party as a team. Let them feel uh, kind of the results of things like press mentions or a win there. Let them celebrate some of those things because then they start to see, okay, there is some tangible value and if I get pushed too much where it's like, yeah, but it's all about revenue or – yeah, but we can't measure that. So that's when it all comes back to, to that measurement piece. You can you could do all these crazy, beautiful, shiny, sexy things, but if you're not measuring it, then it's going to be hard to sell to anybody internally uh, for so long. Robert, I don't want to get too far past a, a comment that you made. It kind of has my head spinning a little bit. This notion of the RM three hundred, and you know, you see that, like that example, you see that so much in really kind of high tech, um, you know, highly engineered categories where you know, very smart people are making these products for other very smart people to buy, and one of the uh, kind of debates that I have found entertaining over the years in that kind of category is on the one hand 
you're often in some ways inventing a net new category or trying to grow awareness of the category overall. So that drives you to want to speak about it in a way that is very accessible to people. And that can often get you a bunch of consumer level interest, which can do things like blow your paid search budget out of the water and get you no leads in return. And and that is kind of in competition with this the, the RM300s of the world, that kind of way of thinking that says, let's talk in very technical ways about a very technical thing so that only people with a serious buying intent are ever going to show up or find it in the first place. Do you find that to be a hard kind of uh, tightrope to walk? Yeah. And I think also it's, it's kind of the, the copycat syndrome. I mean, I see that in terms of even the 3d scanning and metrology uh, world. I mean, it's, it's five, 10% uh, annual growth as far as market size and talking about a billion dollar industry, but even amongst a lot of the, the larger manufacturers of 3d scanners or software, or anything kind of re related relevant to, uh, to 3d scanning and metrology, there's a lot of similarities in terms of their websites, in terms of their content their videos. And I think there's a lot of, cross-referencing happening uh, constantly and saying like, hey, they're doing it good. Oh, we need to step into that level. But it's interesting because I've never really, like since I started when I was 14 and I don't know how I, how I looking back and having kids now, I don't know what I was thinking or how I pulled it off, honestly, because uh, most 14 year olds aren't thinking that way. But I, I remember, you know, in terms of competition, I always felt like there was a risk at paying too much attention to the competition. Um, and so measurement comes back, you know, it's important to see what they're doing to see whether it's, you know, social media, volume of posts, frequency, what's getting engagement, so on and so forth. You can research search trends in terms of their AdWords by. But I think if you pay too much attention to, to competitors, you, you begin to, you know, again, whether you realize it or not, kind of emulate them and, and kind of play it safe. And I think, you know, a lot of marketers that, that play it safe, a lot of companies that play it safe, have safe businesses, have safe growth. I mean, it, that comes with, you know, maybe that's attractive. You know, I think that's one of the challenges as well as risk is one of the biggest B2B purchase decision-making factors, right? So something like our RM300, you know, that could be perceived by a professional with metrology experience, you know, that's coming in and, and, you know, maybe a direct target audience, you know, for us, it could be perceived, you know, well, because it's technical, um, but also it could be perceived the other way. I think there's always going to be different perceptions and you can't fully control, you know, in terms of uh, that narrative anymore with the internet and with just the combination of everything out there. I think it's more about just consistency and congruency and, and finding the balance of, providing the information, technically speaking, that people need and want to make an informed decision, but also doing it in a way that is that is easy. That's easy to, to jump into and then dig a little deeper as you go and try to do that with a new website. I mean, I started off uh, last February, you know, literally, I think it was February 9th was my, my start date. And, you know, I didn't know anything, again, about metrology or 3D scanning. So the learning curve in terms of our, our full product line and what we're doing and just everything that's involved was was pretty tremendous. Um, but here a year later, we've got a 35-page, you know, 3D scanning guide, ebook for free on our site, you know, 50 sets of frequently asked questions across all the different products and services and areas. And I think that's where, you know, we're trying to add value. We're rolling out a new knowledge base. Uh, so basically it's, hey, we're here, you know, we can provide that level of expertise. We've got live chat, we can provide support, you know, whatever it might be. On the other hand, here's, you know, layered in ways that are easy to digest and across our different channels, resources where you can actually dig deeper and, and make a, a better, more informed decision. Because, you know, let's face it, when you're talking about 
twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a scanner, it's the price of the car. And the RM three hundred to me, that's that's like a low six figure build. RM three hundred sounds like the name of a, a car, like the F one fifty. When I think about it, more as like the Cybertruck or Tesla. Like let's get into something that has a little more I don't know, functional, useful value in it, or at least just doesn't sound like blah. You know, like that's that's kind of how it sounds to me, but. I'm very opinionated, as you can tell. <laughs> so, and rarely take breaths. You have to literally interrupt me if I go on these rants. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's fine. You can you can you can feel the excitement and the interest in the in the product category for sure. I do think it's it's interesting though because you know you're you're coming into this company that is obviously very technical. You know they're they're probably not as marketing forward or or have a similar personality to you. You know. Or, or, how are how are you finding, you know, helping that team overcome not, you know, timidity is maybe not the right the right phrase, but maybe they're not quite as aggressive as you at, at going out and, and identifying those opportunities. How are how are you bringing them on board and kind of helping them, you know, see the results and and uh, get excited about it the same way you are? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think you know ultimately. Um, you know, in my role, I mean, in terms of like the engineering team or sales team or whoever it may be, <clears throat> they don't necessarily report to me in that sense. Uh, but I think anybody has an opportunity to be a leader. And I think, you know, being a leader is, is really not about words. It's like when I look at my, my kids, you know, who are seven, 10 and turning 12 in a few weeks, you know, they're, they're not going to remember so much my words and I give them plenty of words they'll tell you <laughs> plenty of the same words and advice. They're not, you know, paying attention or listening to my example in that way. Um, they're looking at my actions. They're looking at my decisions. They're looking at the results of those actions and decisions. They're feeding off of my energy. You know, if I'm stressed from work uh, or whatever it might be, I don't get stressed from work if, if my boss watches this. No, but if, if they can, if they can feel that energy. If I come home, there's a transfer there. And so, you know, I think it's very much the same when it comes to, Working with the team, they can feel if I have a positive energy, if I, they can feel confidence. You know, if they're a little underconfident in areas, I can make up for that a little bit just by being like, no, this is, we're doing this. Like, we're, we're making this happen. Um, and then I think it's proof, you know, and so them seeing the output, them seeing, you know, something like our, our new website. Website took about six, seven months to, to work through and create in terms of, you know, everything from the design all the way to the, the development copy and every aspect of it. And it's hard, I think, for some to realize like what an undertaking that can be to do it right and continually then improve from there. But when it's launched, you know, when, when the team starts to see it, uh, see our brand come alive and, and some of our new apparel, you know, we just went through and even, you know, did more t-shirts and, and long sleeve shirts and dress shirts for our sales guys and new business cards and dot cards. And so some of those, I think, more tangible areas uh, really help just kind of uh, bring light to, okay, this is what marketing is. And I think there's a danger to that because then you start to confuse marketing with communications and it is different. Communications is one aspect of marketing, but marketing, you know, at its core, it is, you know, a science degree if you're going to become educated in it because it's about revenue. It's about growth. It's about moving the dial. It's not just about making noise. And, um, and so I think, you know, sharing, uh, performance analytics, uh, that's also very helpful. So, you know, if I'm measuring everything across social, across our e-commerce sales, 
uh, and then working hard with the team. They're seeing some of these stats, but know that, hey, if we started to measure these other areas, we could actually know what our cost per customer acquisition is for this product segment, for whatever it might be, like start to be able to do even more uh, interesting analysis. But even in terms of the reports I'm sharing now, as far as site traffic, engagement, growth, e-commerce growth, you know, so on and so forth, it's exciting. It's motivating. You can see the numbers. You can see that things are working. And I think that that's helpful uh, just to bring that sense of confidence. Um, but I don't know. I also think that I'm a bit of an anomaly. I think that... You know, I'm the guy that's coming into the office, probably not adhering to dress code, wearing flip-flops in a manufacturing facility, doesn't take off his hat. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think uh, my annual review, Bo, uh, it was a good annual review, but uh, but Bo told me I'm, I'm pretty high maintenance in terms of, uh, you know, yes, it implies, this is no news to me. Um, uh, but I think that that's needed. I think sometimes, you know, uh, luckily in terms of Bo and Kyle and Patrick and our leadership team, you know, I get along really well with mellow people and conservative people and good stewards. And so there's just a good balance because they bring that, but I'm also going to push them. I'm going to push them hard to uh, come against some of those comfort zones and some of that fear and not just push to, you know, jump over the cliff and hope that we're going to land, but I've jumped over some of these cliffs before. So I can bring that confidence that, Hey, we will survive, you know, and we will learn from this and we will get to the next level. Um, so it's a very, I'm very different, but I think, um, it's also helpful. I work with web developers for a very long time. And so it's that logical, my dad also has Asperger's. So that same kind of logic oriented mindset I'm very familiar with. Um, but that doesn't stop me from trying to be, uh, as, as a friend of mine calls me a, a peacock, you know, just uh, shiny, glittery, you know, just, but I think that it's that energy that I want, you know, our team to feel. And I want people interacting with me to feel I'm excited. I'm not here to, you know, sell 3d scanners and move it. That's it's too boring for me. Developers and engineers, very similar breed. Indeed, and we have we have both. We have our head of engineering, you know, over here developing Python and, and working on the development side. It's, but but that's also too where we can geek out. You know, we can connect. Is you know, I, I can connect on a personal level to different members of our team in different ways. It may not always be about marketing, but you know, Patrick and I will be talking about AI and ChatGPT and more of the technical side. So I think you know, connecting with them on that level, and it takes some time. It's taken a year to I think develop those relationships and trust. Uh, Bose had a lot of trust in me from the beginning. But I think, you know, for the full team to really even understand kind of what it is I do, it, it's taken some time. And I think that's that's normal and just got to be patient. should see if Crocs would make you some, uh, you know, approved steel-toed flip-flops or something. <laughs> Probably. My daughter, I just, went, I just bought some Crocs two days ago. My, my youngest daughter is obsessed with Crocs. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm working on it. No, any kind of stuff like that. But, I mean, that's what's exciting, though, is I think, you know, they, we can all feel, you know, looking at the, the future of the industry is bright. You know, there, there are always going to be tailwinds. There's always going to be things that happen. Um, I think we're, we're really good stewards in terms of being well prepared for the future and, and making, you know, smart strategic decisions. And I think that ability to forward plan all comes back to metrics. And so, you know, really I've been happy in terms of, you know, Bo leading by example, by bringing on help in terms of consulting implementation with our CRM, with, you know, the email campaign sequences we build out and the measurability there, having that accountability with, you know, bringing on a vendor, I think is, is also very important. There's some battles that me as, you know, head of marketing, I should fight. And there's some times where it's really nice to bring in a third party and provide that additional kind of professional opinion. We would do that sometimes with our studio and other areas as well. I, uh, I want to kind of hook on a word that, uh, so just a 
couple of uh, uh, sentences ago, actually, and you mentioned patience and uh, had me wondering, because, I mean, you talk about this high-growth environment, and um, high-growth environments aren't typically what you associate with patience. You associate with them with, you know, fail fast. You'll hear these types of conversations. I guess, how have you navigated that balance between a, a kind of a, a aggressiveness to fuel the growth and patience to understand that you can't launch a proper website in six weeks, guys? Yeah, I think that, uh, so when I started last February, there was definitely an understanding that, look, it's going to take really through the end of this year to to get our house in order and uh, and to do sort of a rebuild. Not that it was horrible before, but in terms of our site, in terms of our brand, uh, and not just you know how we visually express our brand, but verbally uh, express it as well. Uh, the essence of, of what we are, our audience really define that, you know, it's going to take time to really make that happen. And so I think what happened was, you know, we had a period, three years, go ahead. Oh, so, so you negotiated that runway a bit in advance? I did. And well, I just said that before, you know, essentially my fear was the previous website, um, we have an archived example, but, you know, I'm very hesitant to throw a lot of money driving traffic to that site. And, uh, and it just was not built in terms of calls to actions and, and engagement and, uh, and on the e-commerce side, so much needed to improve. So I said, look, I mean, it's better to really, you know, revitalize the brand, remap all of that, you know, fix all of our touch points, get our social machine going, build out our in-house studio. So we have a content, you know, machine, but also internally with SOPs for our team to follow and be able to create more videos, tutorials, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, rebuild the the website. Um, Inc. 5000, that was right, you know, February, I was like, hey, let's submit for that. I see our growth. This is probably going to be a year of investment. And so that's really how, you know, Bo and I and the rest of our leadership team we looked at last year was investment into the company, kind of taking a step back, focusing on building out, you know, actual real marketing, I think, um, but also in other areas, uh, whether it's, again, finances or CRM, just getting help in these key bottleneck uh, uh, zones so that we're better prepared to continue to to grow in the future. So I think, you know, last year growth was really year over year about the same, maybe a little bit more than the previous where it was 420% the three years prior. And, um, and that was, you know, I think intentional in the sense that we did take a step back and said, you know, Hey, if we continue at this pace, it's going to be chaos. I mean, it is going to be chaos. And so we, we took on overhead, we hired more people, we've, you know, take the time to build up those processes, but I feel really, really confident about this year and years to come because we have taken those steps and Bo has not put, you know, any kind of pressure on me as far as, you know, like the website launch, it taking as long as it did. I never felt a sense of, come on, push it, push it. There was always an understanding that, no, this is key. This is vital to our long-term success. It's worth it to do it right. So um, I'm grateful for that. You know, I've been on the agency side, not always, haven't always been the recipient of that kind of, that kind of patience. But, um, but I think, you know, that ultimately does empower somebody like me and it's going to keep somebody like me around and excited and doing their best when they, when they feel that sense of empowerment. So I think, you know, other companies should always look for the same, you know, when it comes to, oh, we're making our first marketing hire, you know, because they're, they're getting into an area that maybe they don't know a ton about. And so it's hard to manage somebody when you don't really know a lot about the role and what should be expected and personality type and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but Yeah. I could go on forever, but you have to just edit all this and too many pieces. <laughs> I think that's that's good advice for a lot of marketers in terms of you know you. I think you're you're in a good position and and a and 
quite a fortuitous position there to have an understanding executive that gets that this stuff, especially when you're coming from a place where it didn't really exist before, you know, like a 35 page ebook about your core offering doesn't just happen overnight. The design of a conversion focused website certainly doesn't happen overnight. You know, now you're in a better place to provide these assets to sales and for other people to understand kind of what you do. And then the, you know, the, the apparel kind of supports that internally and shows people that there's connectivity between all these different pieces. But you know, the, if you were offering some advice to other marketers for how to kind of communicate the importance of having patience around the production of these really important and long-term assets like a web property, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd say I'd, I'd put it in real terms first. Um, so, you know, I think if you're, if you're, you know, being hired or you're hired uh, to come in for whatever, you know, if it's on the marketing side, whatever it might be, director of marketing or whatever, if you're coming in, I think you should be pretty vocal, pretty real, pretty honest, uh, forthright. And so, you know, I, I've always spoken with probably too much candor. <laughs> it's uh, I'm an overshare um, and, and Bo knows this all too well. The good side is that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of surprises when it comes to sort of how I think and how I'm envisioning, you know, kind of attacking a different problem. Um, It's, we're very much on the same page without needing to, you know, check in constantly or or just constantly keep him apprised of what's happening. You know, he'll see it. We'll have the right conversations. I think um, being able, you know, part of that is just the grace of God, you know, being able to to land in a relationship like this, because I needed those buy-in to really have the time to build it out to the point where the full team could buy in. So that was really important and to be able to have that, uh, that trust and sense of responsibility there. Um, but I also think, you know, coming in and, and, you know, I knew with clients from an agency perspective, like managing expectations was what it was all about. So I'm thinking more like a project manager and putting that hat on, I, I can get them excited and make all these promises and we need to work on all these areas. I mean, there were so many opportunities, particularly when I just joined where it's like, I mean, I don't know, pick a number, any number. There's so many things that need to happen, right? Um, So I think prioritizing that and just really, again, just focusing on, look, I mean, if we're doing all of these efforts over here that cost money, that cost time and resources, but we're directing it to a brand, a website, a storefront, you know, our place really in the new market, the new economy is our website, right? Then we're, we're, we're taking a huge gamble here, we're wasting a lot of money here. It just doesn't make sense to, to go on this way. So let's do the status quo thing while we're rebuilding over here, but let's, let's get this done. Let's put in the time and make it happen. And, um, and I think that part of the reason too, why, you know, there's trust and okay, that's the right decision is because I've been doing websites really my whole life, you know? And, and so there is a track record there of, okay, this guy probably knows that this is a, a smart move. Um, but really, I think it's easy enough just showing the stats. That's why I like metrics. So again, it's like, here's our analytics, here's our engagement, here's our time on site, here's industry benchmarks, here's our competitors. And we have these free tools nowadays where, I mean, you can run a few reports in an hour and make a compelling case for, for a lot of things, but particularly when it comes to something like the website. Um, and I think it's been hard because there again is that anchor desire for perfection, when it comes to the team that I'm working with. And so, you know, we're doing a big video production uh, here in a few weeks we're excited about. And, and, you know, that's going to be just, 
the, the caliber production that is going to appeal to everybody. We also have our in-house studio where we're going to be churning out more and more uh, product tutorials and things like that. And I know that I'll get into something like reels or YouTube shorts or maybe like a little 10 second clips that aren't long videos. Maybe they're just more of the shiny stuff to mix things up. And I think uh, I, there is, they probably look at that differently than I do. I look at it as just shaking up our content. We have all different types and so forth. Um, they're always sort of looking more at the substance piece of it, um, which is important. We need substance. That's why I mean, I, I put together the ebook. I'm a big proponent of substance, but you don't want to you don't want to sacrifice personality for substance. And there's a very very fine line in terms of you know being like in, for our, in our position as digitized designs, you know, equipping, empowering, providing our customers, our prospects with everything they need to make the perfect decision when it whether it's us, whether it's not us, but to to make that decision and, and go all the way through to conversion. You know, I think that we have a responsibility to to serve them in a way that uh, that meets them where they're at, provides that information, but again, doesn't become so technical that it's it's that just turns into scary. That just turns into boring. And, and at the end of the day, we're all people. We're not professionals. We're people. We're professionals and we're people. So that's the other thing that, you know, with Digitize, I really want to infuse more and more of is our people, our personalities. Our prior site didn't even have an about us page or, or our leadership team featured or anything like that. And I think that's important. It's not just the machinery. It's, it's, it's the man. It's, it's the women. It's the behind the machinery and it's the story people love stories i uh speaking of stories i look forward to watching this uh story continue to unfold over the coming year i think it's going to be interesting to uh watch digitized designs uh uh in 2024 thanks so much uh, robbie for sharing your experience with us it's been great to have you on the show my pleasure it's been an honor i really appreciate it thanks a lot thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.